Hey, my name is Joe. See, that's the thing, is somehow they know not to come back until you really forget. Hey guys, it's Eric. Beautiful babies don't work midnights at six on a Wednesday. This is the Skank Shift. Critics say Swingers is the most fun you'll have at the movies this holiday season. I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie. Entertainment Weekly calls it a terrific new comedy. It's so exhilarating it makes you want to applaud. It's usually original and laugh-out-loud funny. Baby, you are so money and you don't even know it. It's the year's most winning comedy. So how long do I wait to call? Two days is like industry standard. Swingers, rated R. But how long are you guys going to wait six days? Now playing select cities. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not too bad, Eric. Not too bad. Good, good. Life's getting... There's a little sign of life getting back to some semblance of normal. Yeah. Some things are opening. and some, some local restaurants, some small businesses are starting to open up on our end down here, so it's exciting. Yep, the- the tap is opening tomorrow where the podcast was born. So I'm going uh, on lunch. I'm going to run down and pick up some beer and support the tap. And um, I saw that. Yeah. How does that, how does that work? They're serving beer by sort of early hours only. So can you just go in and like pick up like a six pack? Or something? Do they actually like brew beer there? Like, in- yeah, they, yeah. Okay. They have, you can pick up four packs and, and the, I think I could have the hours wrong, but it's something like during noon to three, all they're doing is selling beer. But then I think like five to eight, you can get takeout food and beer. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I realize they sold beers like that, like can like in cans. It's pretty cool. I know they brew their own beer and like they serve there. But the fact that you, oh, yeah, you can go is awesome. I know that. Under normal circumstances, you can get their beer at like local packies and stuff, and cool. it, it's yeah, and it it kills me because I saw it a few times like right when all this stuff started. You know, I love Solar Plexus, their double IPA, mm-hmm. and I saw it a couple times when all this stuff started. And if I knew that it was going to be what it was, I would have bought like a few four packs of it. But right. I, I was like, oh, you know, life will be back to normal in a, <laughs> in a few weeks. Apparently, I was I was wrong about that. Yeah. But the rest of development. Have you seen rest of development? Oh yeah. Okay, the narrator. They were wrong, Ron Howard. Yeah. This is like the yes. perfect spot to plant that in there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was very wrong. So, um, you know what? I don't know what why this just made me think of that, but. Um, Bree and I watched the first two episodes last night of uh, Shit's Creek. Yeah, the show is so good. It is so good. We're, we we we've been meaning to watch it, and then what actually happened is my uh, Hulu. I ran out of. I don't have the HBO thing anymore. They they pulled that. So uh, my plan to rewatch Deadwood is out the window at least temporarily. And uh, so last night we were sitting around and, and Brie was like, we both talked about it. And she was like, oh, you know, you want to watch a couple episodes of this? And I was like, yeah, whatever. They're like 20 minutes. So we watched the first two episodes. We were cracking out the whole time. His son is so good in that. He steals, he's, son. He steals the show without a doubt. He only gets better too. He's so good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the, the whole, we were just, it was great. It was great. So um, I ended up watching. It's, last time I was talking about the show Trying, remember that uh, about the. Yep. So I end up. It might be I was talking a lot like how Never Have I Ever is an easy, easy binge, and it really is. But Trying might be the easiest binge I've ever went through. It okay. flows so well. I end up watching it again with a friend, in like a sitting. So this person with different time zones. So we ended up either we had to kind of like meet up at a specific time zone, and we ended up watching the plan was to watch two episodes and then we ended up watching all eight and it might be my favorite show of this year. So like of, of this year, cause there's been a lot that that's come out so far, but it is just so easy to watch and so good. Well, I would make fun of you for that, but um, this movie that we're reviewing today, which we'll get to in a second, I watched, uh, I think I watched it Monday in the afternoon and then I said to Brie, because I watched it by myself, and I said to Brie, and I knew Brie liked this movie, so I was like, oh, you know, we're always looking for movies that we'll both watch. And I said, hey, do you want to watch Swingers some night this week? And she's like, yeah, sure, but you just watched it. I was like, I don't care. I love this movie. And um, she 
that night we were looking at something to watch. She's like, you want to watch Swingers? So I was like, totally. So I watched this movie they were viewing today <laughs> twice in like eight hours or something like that. So I guess that kind of spoiler alert where today we're doing, it was my pick. <clears throat> we're doing, uh, we're doing Swingers. So, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. How about you? I'm too. Uh, you like this movie way more than I do. And I, de- I don't like, just like a few of the films, I went into this not remembering much of it. So it was nice to kind of refresh this for me. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, you want to give some of the stats and then. Yeah. Yep. Get it? Cool. So I have a, a little bit here. Uh, so Swingers, was, it was released on October 18th in 96. It had a budget of $200,000 and made $4.6 million in the box office. Nice. It was it was uh, put up by Miramax. They were really big at putting out indie, or indie films back then. So yep. with a small budget, John Favreau actually cast himself to save some money, which was actually going to be one of the fun facts later on, but it just fit right <laughs> into this. I could make a that's a money joke, but I'll, I'll skip on that. <laughs> There's was, always, always room for <laughs> that's a money joke. It was written by John Favreau, who we all know now uh, in two weeks with a screenwriting program, he was gifted by his father. So he wrote this in two weeks, which is awesome. This was the film that really made him and Vince Vaughn uh, as they only had smaller pants before this. The biggest movie before this was probably Rudy. And that's actually where they met to do yes. this movie. So it's really is looking back at this. It really is crazy seeing how far John Farrow's career has gone. Even Vince Vaughn, but John Farrow specifically, he pretty much booted up the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He is following his cooking passion now. He has like these cooking shows on Netflix, which are really good. He did Chef. I was just gonna ask you that. Is that is that the name of his show, Chef? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So he did a movie, <laughs> Chef, and then he okay. continued that cooking passion with a series on Netflix where he gets different cooks and like guest yes. stars and. It's actually inspiring me to cook a little, or to attempt to cook a little bit. It's really fun to watch. I my Brie watches so many cooking shows, but and I'm not a cook. I'm a big eater, but I'm not a cook. But I will say Brie has really good taste in cooking shows. Like so, I usually don't mind. But the Favreau, we watched the movie. I guess we watched the movie. I don't know, but we watched some Favreau show or movie about cooking. And I loved it because I love him. We'll get into that in a second, but yeah. I don't know if, if Chef is one of those movies where it, from start to finish, it's a happy film, and like that's why right. I love like, continue that happiness with the series because it really <laughs> is lighthearted. It's a nice escape for a little while. Yep. So yeah, he's he pretty much since then he's booted up like the Marvel Cinematic Universe with directing Iron Man, and which is you look at it now, it's insane. Um, he does it all. The movie was directed by Doug Liman who has directed a bunch of fan favorites. And now you can look back and say he has a like little following his biggest being the first episodes of the OC easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. Perfect. That's debatable. <laughs> no, but he's right. He directed like the born identity directed Mr. And Mrs. Smith, American made. And my personal favorite from him is edge of tomorrow with Tom Cruise. Have you seen it? Okay. I um, have not. It's really good. It's like a groundhog day sci-fi take. It's really cool. Um, oh, really, really quick. Uh, the guy from Me, Myself, and Movies podcast, he suggested watching Extraction. Or I don't, I, I don't want to say he suggested it, but he reviewed it, and I went back and forth with him, and I was like, oh, I'll watch it. I finally watched it. That's a great movie if you – you know how sometimes you just don't want to think? You just want to, like, see insane action and fight scenes and whatever? Great movie for that. But sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead. No, I actually, I, I actually want to look into that as well. That's the uh, Hemsworth film, right? Chris yes. Hemsworth, yes, okay. Yes. But yeah, Doug Lyman, he's directed some good films, but he's produced even more. I think he has like 46 production credits under his name from, you know, TV and movie. So he's worked a lot in both mediums. So stat-wise, there's... They did all right. They did all right. They did all right. And like I said, it pretty much boosted <clears throat> their careers. So yeah, and, and other than the financial parts of it, so how it was received... Roger Ebert gave it three stars. It's a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, which to me seems low, honestly, but it's 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I, and I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but um, this is a weird movie where I think people who, I think part of it's our age or 
my age and definitely your age. Like, I, w- I wonder how many of your friends have even seen this movie, let alone right. like really like it. So I think movie people, like film people, really like this movie and people that are a little bit older than us really like it. But I don't think it gets the credit that it deserves, in my opinion. But even though it's thought of highly. Right, right. Oh. Other, so other things that were going on, just to put everything in perspective, I, truth be told, I cut out a lot of it because uh, a lot of the news that was going on in October of, of 96 was More negatives. Oh. No, it was, it, was, it was positive, but it was for the Yankees, so that makes it negative for me. So uh, this is released in the U.S. I don't remember if you, if you said this, but it's the day before Favreau's 30th birthday. Oh, I did. Which, that. yeah, which is – that's w- – what I love about this movie is this young kid coming up in Hollywood and it's got like a goodwill hunting feel where it's like, he's like, I'm going to write this movie. I'm going to put my friends in it and whatever. So yeah, day before his 30th birthday, Bob Dole and president Clinton met in their first debate uh, and Braves. Andrew Jones is the youngest player to Homer in the world series. So I'm going to leave it at that because we have, we have enough to talk about uh, for the movie here, but so do you have the back of the DVD summary? Hip and hilarious, critics and audiences alike are raving about this must-see comedy hit. It's the laugh-out-loud look at a fun group of friends who spend their days looking for work and their nights in and out of Hollywood's coolest after-hours hangouts. When the lovesick Mike, played by John Favreau, can't seem to shake our relationship rut, his smooth, fast-talking buddy Trent, played by Vince Vaughn, decides he'll do whatever it takes to show Mike a good time. Whether laughing over martinis and smoky cocktail lounges or searching for beautiful babes, on an outrageous road trip to Vegas, these young swingers are determined to re- rewrite the rules of modern dating. That's 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 it, and and that movie, Brie. I don't want to. I think I might have mentioned this later. I might get to this later on, but this movie is so great because this is long story short. This is kind of the breakup movie that I wanted in High Fidelity, um, especially from the the male point of view. So. It's just, I love this movie. And the thing that I like about this is, like I said, him, the, the group of them coming up in Hollywood and, and trying to make it, but also like little things like when they get to the, uh, when they get to the first casino and Vince Vaughn is, is like, they're, they're trying to act like they think they're impressive, but they're not impressive. And it's very similar to people all over the country where you walk into your local bar and you think you're cool, but you're not cool. Like no one's cool. So. I love how oh. you you figure, you figure out their characters really early on. You know who is who, right? Like you said, right from that first introduction with the uh, waitress. Right. And Vince Vaughn in this movie is, like, he's obviously, he's a little bit over the top, but he's exactly what you need when you go through a breakup like that because it doesn't need to be, like you don't need to hook up with another girl, but you, every guy or girl just needs to go out with their friends, have a good time, laugh and stop sitting around moping and whatever. So he's, he's so perfect for this movie. But did you say what you thought of what your first memory was? So you didn't really have much of a first memory. Well, I put down my first memory is actually working on movie scene. (laughs) Okay. I have something that ties into that. So like I didn't see this movie until a little later, but I would always see this cover when I was starting out the catalog films, which yep. the catalog films for those who don't know was pretty much just all the films that weren't in the releases. <laughs> so right. Everything off the wall, off the right. release wall. So and for whatever reason, I, for whatever reason, I always thought to looking at that cover back in movie scene that it was Jeremy Piven on the front cover and not yep. John Favreau. So yep. it's funny, like looking at it, like I, I figured it out obviously years later, but that was always my first impression that he was in this movie and not Favreau side topic have you seen the movie made i've heard of made but i haven't seen it it's it's kind of similar the best comparison i can make for made is that it's made is like the black sheep of like tommy boy and black sheep is like made to swingers where maybe way down the road we'll do made because i actually think it's entertaining it's kind of a weird twist but i think it's entertaining but okay um, yeah my first memory and this might explain why I find made entertaining, but uh, I remember liking this movie when I first saw it and I, and I saw it around 98 or so when none of my friends did because it wasn't aimed at our age group. So I was, I probably saw it on HBO or, or TV or something. 
And I always loved John Favreau. And that started with Rudy. And which is weird because Rudy, when I was a kid, my dad would tell you, I've probably seen Rudy more than any sports movie other than maybe like Mighty Ducks or something. I bet you I've seen Rudy start to finish like 50 times. I had the soundtrack when I was a kid. I I loved it. And so I loved Jon Favreau and it just kind of stuck out to me. And so when I saw that he was in a movie, I didn't even know what it was, but I wanted to see it. So I saw this, I saw Made, like I said, he did a movie about Rocky Marciano that was you know, great if you love John Favreau and you're a boxing fan, probably not the greatest movie if you're not both of those. But so that was my first memory is seeing it, loving it, trying to convince my friends to see it and having them be like, I'm 13. I don't know who that guy is or whatever. But and looking back on that's, that's, that's what's funny about this. You see these two people on the cover and you know right away that's been fun. That's John Favreau. So like if this one was released now or whatever, or like, you know, reshelled in some sort of mainstream right. outlet people see this cover and be like okay th- you know this might be interesting right and and then my second memory ties into your first memory is when i worked at, i started working at movie scene in 2003 so i was 18 and um i was so relieved because there were people there that were that most of the people working there were older than me when i started and they liked this movie and it was so refreshing to be able to talk about it and it was one of my first employee picks because i remember um i remember asking the store manager at the time if we could put like rated r movies for our employee pick and he was like yeah as long as it's not like ridiculous but yeah i know so so i love this movie um a million times better than small soldiers subtle shot so so going going into this movie john favreau he talks about he did rudy in 93 where he met vince vaughn uh and they became friends he did pcu in 94 and then this in 96 and then since then like you said his career's kind of taken off in in a different different path but he's he's had a very successful career rudy i mean uh vince vaughn had rudy in 93 this in 96 jurassic park lost world in 97 uh then made Zoolander in 01, Old School in 03, and probably with Old School, that was where the Vince Vaughn that most people now know took Absolutely. off. Absolutely. And then from there on out, was when crashes and like that's, I think, right. still, still, I think we, a lot of people think that's his best role. <clears throat> right. So, uh, and then I know it's kind of a minor part, but it just kind of bears mentioning because if, when you look back now, the it was a big point for her. Heather Graham. Uh, Swingers in 96, Boogie Nights in 97, Austin Powers in 99, Bullfinger in 99. And th- that's when, which Brie, when Brie and I watched this movie, we were both like, Heather Graham is so beautiful. And in this movie, they, I, I don't know if it was like a conscious thought, but they, it was like they tried to make her like a classic. I mean, she's already a classic looking girl, but they tried to make her like a kind of like a 50s looking beautiful yeah. lady and and you know job well done so yeah so those are the, the three the three big people or the three of the bigger people coming to the movie there were some yes. obviously ron livingston and uh some other great cast members but uh, I, I pretty much i i mentioned this later on uh with things i like but the <laughs> cast like you said the three uh the two leads vince vaughn and john favreau and i think ron livingston were, were perfect it's fine yeah. ron livingston too like this was like uh an early film for him and his breakout role was three years later. So it's right. like, it's with what office space or yeah. with office space. Right. Yeah. No, he, he, and he's great in this too. Um, every, everyone is, and, and everyone's perfectly cast. And, and I think that that's the, that's the benefit of not having a superstar. I mean, these guys are superstars now, but if you had tried to fit, I can't think of an example. If you tried to fit Johnny Depp in this movie, or, or even a comedic actor who was huge already, it would have it would have messed it up because you, similar to like when Goodwill Hunting came out, you'd seen these guys before maybe, but you didn't know them as Jason Bourne or you know right. Yeah, they they, so, they would definitely take the spotlight if they was a big a big time for sure. And like that's right, that's so, always so good because there are no there are no standouts. And I I think the other reason I was thinking this last night. Or, or sorry, that I we watched a couple nights ago. One of the things I love about this movie is the imperfections. Some of the like cinematography is a little choppy, and 
some of like the it's not perfect it, it's a movie that was made by a young up-and-coming guy and other people and and those imperfections are kind of what you get the, the character of the film with those so oh definitely and like and like we just talked about like all these people involved this was like their starting points a lot of them like doug lyman especially with the directing like this was like one of his earlier projects too so seeing how far he's come you know from a two hundred thousand dollar budget to like you know work with millions and millions and millions of dollars on like bigger films it's 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 really cool seeing right and and the whole movie and this kind of ties into why it's fun to see like a small up and coming so the movie's loosely based on the experiences that john Favreau had when he first moved to los angeles he had just broken up with a long-term girlfriend and he counted on his friends uh vince vaughn and and ron livingston to, to cheer him up and the characters that they play in the film are based really on themselves. And you already mentioned John Favreau wrote the screenplay in two weeks. Um, and, and I think that's great. I think that, that it, it, just to turn something so negative into a, I mean, careers for two of your friends long-term and Ron Livingston still doing fine. Right. Um, John Favreau and his friends gave readers, we're into, we're into just kind of the more, you know, random facts, by the way. Uh, John Favreau and his friends gave readers theater performances of the script to drum up interest in capital for the movie. Um, the bear monologue, which I love, that Trent, uh, so Vince Vaughn's character gives John Favreau's character, is supposedly almost verbatim something that Vince told John one night at a bar. So John Favreau loved it, and he was like, I, I have to work that into the film. Uh, the exterior and interior of Mike Peters, John Favreau's apartment, was the actual building and room in which John lived at the same time the movie was filmed. Favreau's downstairs neighbor was actor Adam Scott. Oh, really? So, I know that. Oh my God. Yeah. It, I, it's love, so, I love uh, Adam Scott. Oh, he's great. Crazy stuff like that where you're like, to th- if you were to, to think that you could walk by an apartment building and at any given night and see those three people and, and, and look what it turned into. It's, it's not. So, um, when asked to approve of the theme music for Jaws from 1975, uh, Steve, uh, in a scene, Steven Spielberg saw footage of Vince Vaughn and then hired him for Jurassic Park Lost World or Lost World Jurassic Park. So I was actually going to, I was actually looking up to see how much that cost because I, I couldn't find anything <laughs> on it. But the fact that they got the Jaws theme in a $200,000 budget was he really just cool. giving it. He probably just that's, gave it to him. That's the thing. Maybe it was. Yeah, it makes it, it would make sense now since he liked what he saw clearly, Spielberg. Right. So, right. Uh, when director Doug Lyman first sent uh, the script to the studios, they were interested in financing it. When Lyman said he wanted to cast the writer and his friends as actors, the studios backed off. The money to shoot the film was raised independently, and Lyman cast who he liked, which I love. I love yeah. stubborn stories like that. Uh, the relationship between the characters played by John Favreau and Vince Vaughn mirrors their one in real life. The two are best friends. Love it again. Again, a lot of similarities to Goodwill Hunting, um, which is another film that I, I love. Some of the bar scenes were shot in actual bars during business hours. A sign was posted near where they were shooting, warning patrons that if they came any closer, there would be unpaid extras in the film. Um, this this one is it's going to come up again. This fun fact is going to come up again because it changed. I already liked the scene, but it changed my view of it uh, in a good way. <clears throat> the scene in which Trent, so Vince Vaughn angrily yells at Sue, their friend, Sue is a guy. If you've never seen it before, uh, after Sue insulted Mike, uh, was written specifically at Vince Vaughn's request. Vaughn wanted to show that beneath Trent's bravado and swagger, he truly cared for Mike as a friend. So he was more than just like a smooth talking, you know, ladies man i and i and i always like that scene mostly because of like the the where they're saying like what are you in like boys in the hood or, or you, you carry a gun in case someone steps to you and stuff like that but that made me respected for a different reason yeah, i love that's the one thing i love about his character he comes off as like the scumbag throughout the entire film like he's kind of like a down talking woman but he's just he thinks he's cool then he's a he's you know he's a cool as shit but right. when it comes to his to his friends he protects and defends uh mike's character right this happens in the end too like when he's kind of when he's hooking up with heather graham and he sees in the distance he's kind of like forgetting about everything else around him yeah he's he's focusing on right he's focusing on mike and like his success right now and he's like excited for him he's not just his friend he's like look he's doing he's doing it like like he's he's generally excited for his friend 
he's very similar to, and I'll try to make this the last comparison, but he's kind of like Ben Affleck in Good Will Hunting, where like he's a goof and he's funny and whatever. But if you know Matt Damon, if Will, if Will Hunting asked him to kill someone for him, he'd do it. But but he yeah he, he's a goof. So um, according to John Favreau, the reason Mike opens his oh this is I thought I was thinking of this when you we were watching it, and I was like oh Joe would love stuff like this because you're more of like the how how stuff's made sort of guy according to john favreau the scene uh the reason mike opens his empty fridge when he's on the phone with vince vaughn is because doug lyman said that the scene was too dark and they needed the light so that 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 phone call where vince vaughn's like we're going to vegas and there's like 15 seconds where he's standing there with his fridge open and the lights lighting up the room that's the reason for it so that's a smart approach that's cool yeah and it fits it fits like seamlessly into the film right Um, you see see it's like his crappy lifestyle so like yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a perfect fit. It really is. Yeah, it's like dump the of inner, an apartment. The, the inner workings of his fridge. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, when the main characters now this, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny, but we talked last episode, uh, the small soldiers episode, about no, 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 no. I, I want <laughs> to make, <laughs> I want to make a point of how when something's done well, we talked about how that guy what, what was his name, Joe Dante. Yeah how he kept he was leaving out references to his own films and i said that's obnoxious because i was like you're so full of yourself blah blah so when the main characters are first seen playing video games in trent's apartment reservoir dogs and taxi driver posters can be seen on the walls later trent and mike argue about scorsese and tarantino and whether tarantino copies or pay pays homage to scorsese's work the next scene is a deliberate tribute to Reservoir Dogs, iconic opening scene of the main characters walking in slow motion. Later, the famous uh, Goodfellas long shot of Henry and Karen walking through the kitchen and into the club is emulated by Trent and Mike. So that's how you pay respect yeah, to I, someone I, else. I, I, get, I get the tributes. Like, if you don't respect those guys, I feel like you gotta. It's like, if you're in this business, you gotta respect those guys. But I just want to plant some seeds into... Uh, I'm gonna plant some gremlins, some, some gremlin seeds in there somewhere. <laughs> no, no. And if they wanted to, they 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 could have, I guess. But I mean, to be they, fair, Doug Lyman didn't really have a whole lot before this anyway, so he really couldn't plant his own movies in there. No, but it would be like if Vince Vaughn was like, "Oh, let's hang a Rudy poster up in in the room." And these guys are real Rudy's fan, Rudy fans. So, um, that's it as far as just the more you know, random facts. But I have I have one big. We we have this new category. The stuff that wouldn't fly in 2020 wouldn't fly in this millennium. Um, the quote after they're leaving Vegas, which before we get into that, I think a lot of people, when they think of this movie, <clears throat> they think the movie's set almost entirely in Vegas. Vegas is pretty much the first like half hour of the film is them thinking about going to Vegas and going to Vegas. And then they're back in LA, maybe a little more than that, but um, it's not, it's not a huge part of the film. So when they're, when they're in Vegas, they meet those two girls and, one of them is a waitress who dresses up as Judy Garland uh, from The Wizard of Oz. And John Favreau's character says, the whole Judy Garland thing kind of turned me on. Does that make me some kind of a F.A., you know, uh, homo- homophobic slur? Um, so that obviously doesn't, that kind of, when you hear that nowadays, that's that's changed a lot. And that when you hear that, it does kind of make you go, Ugh. Yeah, I cringe a little when I, when I, when I hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is, well, actually, I'll let you go. What do you have written down? Because I had, probably went I had that, and I had the pizza delivery guy when they're like, you know, is he brown? Is he brown? Like in the background. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, like the entire time I was like, oh boy, this is like, this is a little okay. cringe worthy. And I guess like the way they talk to women throughout, like sometimes Vince Vaughn kind of like, <laughs> not, I don't know. It's he's very cool in the movie, you know, quote unquote cool. But he was sometimes definitely down talk woman and. I don't, yeah, say de- so, I don't want to say degrade them, but he was like, he would very much like down talk them. I made a note about that where it's a tough topic to talk about that. Some people are sensitive about the idea that men go out like to bars and kind of like hunt for women, lack of a better phrase. And I don't want to sound insensitive and I want to be clear that if the girl's not interested, the girl's not interested, whatever, but I think that's kind of the way it is. And that's kind of, you know, I'm not saying every time you go to a bar, you expect to get hit on if you're a girl, but as long as the guy's not being ridiculous, it's, it's kind of, I don't right. know, get, get what you pay for. 
Right. No means no. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> exactly. But, but I, but I also think that it's, it's, are there pros and cons to the, the fact that that's the way that, you know, socialization goes for young single people? Yes, but that's, that's kind of the way it is. So um, I, that part doesn't bother me, but, but yeah, I get, I get that it bothers some people. So. Oh yeah. The biggest thing I think, well, the worst part was the pizza delivery guy for sure. And what you brought up. Right. Easily. Yeah. No. Yeah. So um, favorite scene. All right. So we already talked about this. I just want to get this out there that I thought the casting for Vince Vaughn, John Favreau and Ron Lewis were perfect. Yeah. Um, but I love the scene towards the end when uh, he's pacing around uh, with a number that was given by Heather Graham's character. Yeah. And he's sort of like pacing back and forth. Like he's, you know, he's, he's tempted to, but he's made, he's already made the mistake once by calling the previous girl at 2.45 AM. So he learned his lesson. Like seven times. That was, that scene was so hard to watch. I like looked in my hand. I know we were, (laughs) I know we, Brie and I were like, don't do it. Oh, it was hard. It was was a tough watch. Um, But until he really wants to call her, like that temptation is making it difficult. I feel like we've all been there. You know, when you get someone's number, you're like, you you play the rules, you're excited to call the person, but he powers through it and sticks and sticks the number on his calendar. And that's when his ex calls, which kind of goes along with the quote I said in the beginning. Yes. How in the beginning of the movie, uh, Ron Wilson's character is talking <laughs> to uh, Mike, saying that you got to forget her. And then when you do forget her, that's when she'll come back, basically. And that's what happens in this situation. He's kind of getting along with this new girl. Um, and right when he's expecting her call or he's getting excited for her call, um, he goes he his ex calls her i think her name was michelle michelle calls him and that's when like he realizes that he's more excited for the to talk to the other girl instead of her and then while he's pacing back and forth in this scene he's excited to call her in a couple days that's when heather grimm's character calls him during when he's on the same phone call with michelle and then he takes that call over michelle's which i thought was awesome that was like the indicator that he's over michelle and he wants yep. to see where this goes with uh, Heather Graham's character. Yeah, because he's like, uh, Michelle, have you seen Heather Graham? I don't know if you've ever seen her. <laughs> <Right. laughs> no. This is a but, step up. <laughs> right. No offense to Michelle. But um, no, and, and I think that like we talked about with high fidelity, um, I know some of the problems that I think Bree had with it and some other people had with it was like how he handled getting over the breakup. But I thought this was such a realistic um, not that I'm a shrink or anything like that, but a lot of times the hardest part of a breakup isn't really that you miss, especially when you've been with someone that long, it's not that you miss that person that much, but you're like so insecure in yourself and you don't, you don't know if you can get another girl. So sometimes all you need is a smoke show, like Heather Graham to show any interest in you. And you're like, you know what, Michelle, I don't need you. I don't, you know? So no, I, I love that scene too. I thought, I thought that was great. And and she's like, oh, Michelle tries to keep him on the phone. She's like, oh, I'm going away for a few days. Wherever. He's like, oh, I'll call you back. Bye. Yep. And, like, back. and he's so excited to tell his friend that he's got over her. And like, right. it's such a, it's such like, again, like the friend, like his support, like it's, it's, it's fun seeing that whole dynamic between the two of them. It's great. It's great. Yeah. So my favorite scene, I have two. Um, my favorite scene as far as comedy goes um, is the NHL 93 scene. It's the most classic. It's, it sounds like it's boring to pick this, but the whole scene where he's like, oh, I'm going to make Gret- I'm going to make Gretzky's head bleed for, for uh super fan 99 over here and stuff like that. And the whole, it's not so much me, it's Ronick. He's good. Um, that's, that's the scene that I, one of the ones I laughed the hardest at, but we talked about earlier that um, how Vince Vaughn, the, the scene where um, Sue pulls a gun when they're leaving a bar um, that once I read the fact of, I always liked that scene because of the boys in the hood line and the comedy of it. But once I read that Vince Vaughn had him put that in for kind of character depth, it made me like that scene even more. So that's kind of, that's my, maybe my one a behind, but, but make Gretzky's head bleed is always going to be number one. And, yes. and the, the classic like friend or brother move where you go like, he's like, all right, pause it. And he's like, okay. And he stands up and then a good, he grabs the remote and he hits start again. Yeah. That's just who hasn't done that. And it's so funny too. The next year, this is like a more of like a gaming conversation, but NHL '94 comes out, and that's like still to say, University of Grapevine. Like that's the best NHL game ever made. Is '94? Yeah, it's the most. It's. I'm not sure the reason yeah, behind it, but people think it's like the best NHL game ever made. It's the one that 
it's the one that kind of brought it to it. Yeah, no, it's the most classic, I guess I would say. It's definitely obviously not as far as gameplay and everything like that, but but yeah, no, it's classic. So um, that's my favorite. Those are my favorite scenes. Soundtrack, thoughts, concerns? So, we talked about this a little bit before we started. I like the soundtrack. It's not really... You only hear the music playing unless they're like in a live setting. Like you hear like the swing music towards the end and different live performances, like cover bands. Yeah. Um, but the opening Christ sequence was nice. I love the old timey music, the old fifties. You know, like you said, like the, uh, the that feel, like that fifties, sixties music. And the swing music was was nice. It's, the soundtrack was daddy. Yeah, and like it was like yep. the soundtrack was good. It was it was what it was. It it, it wasn't like a there wasn't a score. You can't buy. I don't think I don't think you can buy the soundtrack in stores. I don't know what that would sound like, but it was it was it was good for what it was. I really, I really like the soundtrack. I, I like um, the opening scene with "You Nobody Till Somebody Loves You" with Dean from Dean Martin, and I think that it wasn't a huge part of the movie, but it for how much time that music was a a kind of a focal point, it, it was very efficient. It did they did a lot with a little. It, that's how I would look at it. So I really enjoyed it. But how many um, songs were in the movie? I'm trying to think now. There was like what, maybe three or four songs total. I think there was a little more than that. But I, but the the big ones are yeah the the big bad voodoo daddy and you nobody till somebody loves you. Um, there's a Bobby Darren song in there. I know. Um, there there was a few, but but okay. Yeah, the, I agree with you that it wasn't. There just wasn't a lot of time where there was music. And right, I don't think that was like the movie was so dialogue driven. I don't think they really care about like background sound for music. Like it was all dialogue, and that's what that's where this film shines. Right. Um, so, if you could change one thing, what would you change? Okay. Well, first of all, did people really say "baby," "babe," and "that's so money" back then? Because like, so like, so like, I read. I, I was. I wasn't very. I wasn't very. I was so pretty young when this came out. So like, I'm not sure, but like that they said that a lot. Like, if I if I watch this again, I'm going to make a counter of all times they say "baby" and "money" and "babies." <laughs> I I was uh, 11 years old in '96, so that wasn't in my vernacular. <laughs> but um, I read somewhere, and I'm going to get the movie wrong, but I read somewhere that Vince Vaughn or Favreau, or maybe both of them, saw that. And I want to say it was in a Spike Lee movie, but I could be wrong about that and they would just fell in love with it but i think <clears throat> i think it, it was it's an exaggerated you know it's it's kind of if you think about it if you filmed a couple you, you joke about this with me all the time if we went downtown right now and there was two guys going through a similar situation it would be the same exact conversation except they would be like you're the man bro you're the man bro you don't even fucking know it bro like you know what i mean it's the same yeah. it's the same thing it's just Yep. you know fill in the book fill in the words but other than that though i think i would change it's a small thing but like it kept throwing me off when they brought it up i would change his profession of being a comedian because he never made me laugh in the film and like i get why that he wasn't in character but when he's talking to like these strangers and like making like small talk he never ever came across as a comedian he is just a straight up introvert in my opinion like he's just so cringeworthy so it's like How how good is it when he's like when they meet um the cocktail waitress who dresses up like dorothy and she, he goes it's like awkward silence she goes well we're not in kansas anymore and then it's just <laughs> right. like <laughs> right it's like man i feel like he's just like maybe he's like maybe his comedian profession is just like he's very early on like i know he made the move here and everything but like i don't know how far into this he is but he's looking for a new career change i feel like it would have been more believable if he was an actor like his friends are or something yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, although I love, I love the, I would, I am almost going to keep him as a comedian just for, um, just for that one line where he, he bombs that joke and then goes, <laughs> she's like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a comedian. Yeah, I, uh, I like the, 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 the quiche joke too. When he's being, uh, what, that means quiche. I like yeah. quiche. <laughs> it's like, oh God. Do you like quiche? I hate okay. quiche. I hate quiche. Me too. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Dude, I, I don't. Brie, Brie, I eat anything. There's no food. People think I'm exaggerating. I eat anything. Brie cooks. I'm, I don't even ask questions. And if she made quiche, for the record, I would eat it. But I freaking hate quiche. I've always hated it. My mom used to make it or used to buy it because my mom can't cook. And I'm not. That's <laughs> not. My mom would be the first to tell you that. 
but I, yeah, just it's like one of there's probably like two or three foods on earth that I can't get into, and quiche is one of them. So. Yeah, if, if I saw it in front of me, I would eat it hesitantly, but like I would never order it. I would never like look yeah. out for it. I just I can do without quiche. Right, right. I, though <clears throat> I don't have much that I would change about this movie, um, but the scene that you referenced at the end, where they're um, they're at the diner and he's kind of telling her, telling Vince Vaughn's character Trent that he. He doesn't. He didn't care that about her, his ex girlfriend anymore. I that made me think I could have used. I could have done one more scene between the two of them where Vince Vaughn's not in character. Like I'm sorry, not. He's not on. You know what I mean. But as I say that, I don't know if I would do that because I think that's why that that's part of why that last scene hits you so hard is Vince Vaughn's not. He doesn't have his suit on. He's not, you know, spewing bullshit. He's just talking real. and Right. And, like, that's why I actually made a note of that, too. I didn't say it, but, like, on the bottom of my thing here, I made a note saying I kind of, like, like the whole sequence, like you said, how he's kind of distracted by the other woman um, talking to her baby. Yes. I, he gets distracted easily, and I like how it kind of shows. I assume I read this right, that he's still, like, and he's still the same. Like, he might not grow out of that, whereas, yep. like, you know, you see – Mike's character kind of growing past his ex-girlfriend. He's like moving on. Whereas Vince Vaughn is still in that. He's like, he's just, he's a fun guy. I thought another cool thing about that scene was it's a, it's kind of a role reversal because John Favreau is like cool as a cucumber, happiest, happiest guy in the room. He's got this thing going with Heather Graham. Or at least he, you know, you think he does. And then Vince Vaughn, who's usually has an answer for everything could get any girl he wants. He kind of, he kind of swings and misses on one. So it's, it's just yeah. like a subtle, like, you know, everybody has their ups and downs thing. I mean, that was a very minor down for Vince, for Trent, but um, right. yeah, I, I really like that scene. So I don't know. I, I kind of just took back my, what I would change because I see why they did it. And I see why that was the first serious scene with Vince Vaughn. I guess, so I guess I'll replace it with, the the before that the positive talks or the serious talks are with Ron Livingston. I could have used another, a little bit more Ron Livingston. I really liked him in this movie, and and obviously he's not. It's it's a Favreau and Vaughn movie, but I I guess if I if I had to make a change, I would do one more because it's only hour and a half movie. So you could do one more scene with Ron Livingston. Yeah, he was a nice guy friend. It was like Vince Vaughn, uh, the cool friend, and then there was nice guy Ron. You know, he's he would come to. Mike's apartment with food and drinks and like get him up on his feet. Like he was, he was a good guy in the movie, like an actual good guy throughout. I texted my buddy, Brian, um, the other day while I was watching this, I'm trying to find the text to read it. So this just goes to show you like, even to this day, my friends don't appreciate this movie at all. I bet you most of my friends haven't even seen this movie. So I, I, uh, I texted him and I said, how you doing baby? And he said, okay, you, cause Brian's always like down. He's like down at the dumps all the time about everything. And I said, not bad. Watching Swingers, thinking about when we can go out again, I can help you pick up beautiful babies. And he just writes back, what? <laughs> and I was like, yep, hasn't seen it. I haven't written anything back. So he's probably, Brian's probably like, what the fuck is Eric talking about? So I guess, I guess that's it for, for all the main categories. So here we are at the, the important part of the episode where we score the movie. So if you haven't listened before, we score movies on a scale of one to five, whether or not you'd be willing to pay a late fee to keep this movie. So one is you watch the movie, you get five minutes into it, you take it out of the, the VHS player, put it back in the box and return it that night so you don't ever have to pay a late fee. Five is you're willing to keep it an extra day, two, three, four, five, maybe even just buy it from the store so you don't have to return it. Um, so, Joe, on a scale of one to five, what's your score for Swingers? I think it's a solid four. It is – you have to respect the budget. At a, you know, it was an indie film back then. They did a lot with a lot with very little, like you mentioned before. And yep. it really is a cool take on the breakup genre. Like you said, we, we saw like High Fidelity and this movie is aged way better than that, in my opinion. And it's a really cool, I, I love how they, they really focus on the friendship and like you had, you see Mike's friends, you see, you know, Trent and um, Rollins' character. They are all almost always supporting him. And like they, yep. they he's always talking about his, problems and this ex-girlfriend throughout and like they bring that up multiple times and they still go along that they don't ever shut him up they just they still let him do his thing 
Yep. And it was just, it was nice seeing that. It's, it's, it was nice seeing that take on the friendship where, like, you know, where you might have different dynamics conversing throughout. And I have to give a shout out to the writer, John Farrow, because the dialogue in this movie flowed so well. So it's, it's yes. a nonstop. Like, you can, I feel like you could have written this movie in one location. And, like, I still have been, th- I still have been pulled in because the dialogue was so snappy and it flowed very well. And like, I, that's why the call to Tarantino and Scorsese was so good because. Obviously, you know, back then it was a bold move, but I feel like looking back at it now, Tarantino was very dialogue driven, as is clearly John Favreau in this movie. So, like, I was like, looking back at it now, like, I can definitely see like their inspirations for sure. And I think the the script and the dialogue would be impressive if it was written by a sixty year old Academy Award winner. When you factor in the fact that it was written by a twenty nine or twenty eight year old, however it was when he first, however old he was when he first wrote the script is it's insane right in two two weeks (laughs) right it's insane and and i think that the reason that the dialogue is so good and and the script is so good is because it's so real and it really it truly is based on his life and and i i really love that um the that kind of view of those guys like just the idea that at one point in time these Vince Vaughn Livingston and, and Favreau and other guys and Adam Scott was living on the floor below that they were just roaming around Hollywood chasing their dream. And besides like chasing women or whatever, the, the, the idea of just picking yourself up from whether it's New York or Vince Vaughn was in Chicago, moving to California. And for every one Vince Vaughn, John Favreau, there's a million people who don't make it, but it's just such a cool idea. So <clears throat> And, you know, I was, I knew I would like this movie because I, I had, but I hadn't watched it in a few years. And I'll be honest, I was worried that I wouldn't like it as much as I did when I was like 21, 22, 23, et cetera. Because I think, and not for the reasons that are portrayed in this movie, but I think those years for a lot of people, it's just, it really is like the, the best time of your life because not nothing to do with picking up women. I've never walked up to a girl in my life and offered to buy her a drink that I didn't know. That was just never my thing. But just going out with your your buddies every night and and not having a care in the world and whatever. So I was worried that I liked that when I was younger and I liked it a lot when I was 23. But that when I watched it now, it wouldn't carry over. But I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, I liked it more than I remembered. Some of the best script writing that we just talked about and character development especially when you consider how young Favreau was, you, the movie's an hour and a half and you feel like, you know, Trent, you know, John Favreau, you know, all of them, um, the relationships and the, both, both like the, the, the problems that they have with the fights that they have and, and then how much they're all so believable. Everyone can relate to this film. So I know my favorite movies of all time. Like I know my top two, my top three, for I haven't sat down in a while and made a list of my top 10 but this could be going back and rewatching it I might put this in my top 10 favorite movies all time so for me um this movie's a five I I really enjoyed it I enjoyed it more than I thought I would um yeah I loved it it's funny if I went back to High Fidelity now I probably would give that a lower score by like at least a 3.5 watching it recent like watching it recently so I think this is the better breakup film now so like oh. I, I would bring that down a little bit and bring this I've up. already yeah, I know we've only done like 12 movies and I'm already like I'm already like thinking of if we could do something where like once a year you get to go back and rescore one movie yeah <laughs> but then that would be hard because we've only done like <laughs> we've only done like 12 episodes and there's already a couple that I'm like uh I wish I thought about with this one I was like I'm gonna give I'm gonna use a 0.25 I'm gonna give this like a 4.75 but then I was like I, I just loved it so much and and especially when you factor in how young they were and, and right. independent things. So be on the, the scene movie, stuff is so cool. The what? To be on the scene stuff, like the budget, the, some of yeah. the, like some of the work that you were mentioning, like the, just some of the ways they kind of got around a small budget is just really impressive. And I think as someone who's not a risk taker at all, I have so much respect for people that like Favreau and whoever, who, who are like, I'm going to pick up, move to Hollywood probably like bartender wait tables and whatever I have to do to get by. <clears throat> and then to really come up with a passion project like this and, and to come up with, it's great to write the script is great. 
but to the performance, everything was perfect. They did everything so well. So the movie was great. The beer, Broken Luck, I'll put a picture up. You couldn't, Broken Luck from Sawbelly Brewing um, in Exeter, New Hampshire. Um, How was it? It was awesome. It was great. I, they have a few other beers there that I, 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 use, I've, I like a little bit more, but this is really good. Um, and if you're ever in Exeter, New Hampshire area, Portsmouth, New Hampshire area, it's definitely worth stopping by. The food's unreal. Bree doesn't drink, but uh, we went there uh, and I had a couple of beers and she had some, some food and the food's really good too. So shout out to Sawbelly Brewing in Exeter, New Hampshire. So <clears throat> beer's great. Movie's great. Um, follow us on Instagram. We're at the late fee. Uh, suggestions always welcome. Joe's going to give his next pick here in a second. But if you cut ahead of him and send us a message with a, a request, you'll, you'll, you'll cut ahead of Joe. But if no one does that, Joe, what are we going to be watching for next episode? So I told Eric what it was going to be, but I wanted to last minute. I was thinking about last minute swapping it to something he would hate, but I feel like I've already done that enough with, to him. With uh, before, you, before you say it, before <laughs> okay. you say it, the good news is I've already forgot what you told me. So this is going to be a total surprise to me. Okay, good. Well, I was actually, I was actually like debating on going back and throwing another like gut punch at you, but I was like, eh, I'll be nice this week. <laughs> please <laughs> so. don't. Please don't. I think we should do uh, some rush hour. Oh, okay. Now soccer. I remember. Yep. I, 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 remember. Watched, I watched a little bit. I watched the second half on TV recently. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm like, I love these movies and I want to go back from start to finish. Just watch it all. Love those movies too. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think that movie's going to be a five for me, but it's going to be. No, it's, it's I, a, yeah, it, I really enjoy that fun, movie. It's, it's a fun. It's one of it like, is. It's about extraction, I think it was called. Uh, it's, it's you turn your brain off, you just laugh the dumb jokes, which are probably offensive now. So we'll, we'll oh, <laughs> yeah. be a fun category. Not to, yeah, not to me, but that's definitely a movie <laughs> right. that if you, if you showed it to someone. Yeah. Um, real quick, because you brought up extraction. Sorry for jumping in in the middle of it, the middle of uh, your spiel earlier, but. So my, my opinion on extraction, and again, I got the suggestion from the podcast, me, myself and movies. So check out that podcast. Um, and he, my review of it is that it's a two hour movie and probably an hour and 45 minutes of it is action. So some of the plot, you're going to be like, wait, what, like what, what just happened? But the, the fight choreography is insane. The action's insane. If you go into it thinking it's going to be the most well-written, like, you know, win an Academy Award, you're going to be disappointed. But if you just want to sit down, have a beer, and watch some crazy fights, it's a total two thumbs up for that. So, but the uh, suggestion. Yeah, I know. Check it out. But and but before that, we'll watch uh, Rush Hour next, which also has some good <laughs> fight scenes. Which I don't want to give away my my uh, my quote already, but my one of my favorite oh. lines in Rush Hour is. <laughs> Which one of y'all just kicked me? All right. So anyway, we'll, 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 I don't want to do the whole rush hour episode on this one. but So we'll, that'll be the next one, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. As always, guys. Thanks.